Welcome, welcome. This is the second chapter of the Smart Nonsense Podcast. We're not doing seasons, so we'll just call it chapters. This is episode 51, and we talk about entrepreneurship, self-development, and challenging norms. Today, I'm being self-centered again. I don't want to talk about Henry. Don't want to talk about any books that are cool. We're talking about me, me and my life. I want to break down. I don't know exactly how we quantify it. I've given up on quantifying things, but we're going to talk about everything I've learned from seven years working in restaurants. Are you wearing a turtleneck? Wearing a long sleeve. This is what I wore on Killy. I like it. I like that little wool up neck. Yeah, yeah. You like that? (laughs) When I get all damn. All right, never mind. So, Melky, can we talk about you postponing this really quick? Because I'm, I'm fed up. We yeah, have I just a time tweeted schedule. about it, too. This is, one of the, <laughs> <You're> this, <laughs> this is one of the first times something happened to me. I was like, oh, oh, I'm going to tweet this. Um, I went to Menards about an hour ago, and I realized that when you have a lot of projects you want to get done and you're excited about, like today I'm building some bookshelves, I'm just like getting some things cleaned up, ready for you uh, to come into town. and. Uh, it's like shopping when you're hungry. Mm. Do not go to a home improvement store when you are excited to get stuff done. I spent way too much money. It took me way too much time. And uh, yeah, the other thing was my mom came home from work early because she thinks she has COVID because one of the nurse's assistants had COVID. And so I think I'm going to live in the music box now. <laughs> I mean, I just texted you yesterday. I'm like, we should just get this thing, get it over with. You know, I said that way back in March. I'm not sure where I stand on that. There's a lot of politics involved, whether or not this is like the flu or not. Uh, I don't want to go there, but I am nervous. I have to go to a wedding Friday to film it. And they had me get a rapid COVID test that they paid a lot of money for. And that came back Monday and I was negative. But now I'm not so sure. Mm, All right. Let's talk about the service industry. Let's talk about the service industry. All right. Well, here's what's interesting, especially with this whole COVID madness, because like you see New York, all these restaurants closing down, people struggling. I see on Instagram a lot like, hey, help salvage this restaurant so they don't go out of business. And it's so true because you know a lot of their revenue comes from people in person, especially drinking alcohol. And it's just really hard these days when you can only do it under certain circumstances. But that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about seven summers from when I was 14 to 20. I was just being a little bus boy until I was 18 and they let me serve alcohol. And then for three years, I was just you, getting ripped apart as a waiter. So you couldn't serve. I think it's important because we're probably going to loop around at the end when you're talking about revenue, especially you know being open and selling alcohol in the service industry. We've talked about this before, but um, your revenue or your your output is directly proportional to your inputs. It's the same for like working for yourself, being a photographer, whatever. It's like whatever you put in is almost directly what you get out. That's what I hate about the service industry. Um, That's what I've noticed in my time doing things for service. Um, So yeah, if a restaurant can't open or it can't serve alcohol, use those two inputs while it doesn't get those two outputs. Right. And everyone involved, because it's it's something where you literally come and clock in. We'd always come and do our fingerprints and, you know, that's, oh, we're on the clock now and you're only making money while you're trickle working. Trickle down, baby. Trickle down it, economics. It's a brutal world. I don't world. think that's what trickle down economics is. <laughs> you don't know much, but uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess we, so I'll give context because it kind of relates to trickle down, I guess. We were basically working, or I was working at this rich beach club 
in my town. Set the scene, baby. It's it's a beach and tennis club. You have basically all the wealthiest people in Rhode Island come, and this is where they go. Actually, funny enough, and we'll get into it, but uh, like students, like our classmates are members at this club. Really? And so I would serve them. Out them. And often this was before they Out knew. them. Yeah, I Out might them. have to. <laughs> so there, there's a lot. I, I do want to kind of cover first how it changed the way that I behave in restaurants because I see a lot of pet peeves that I now have with just how people interact with the, the service, uh, everyone serving them. And then uh, like life, life lessons to really- even Okay, even right now in terms of how people treat servers, understand that people are going out to eat at restaurants for like unmasked, right? For their own personal gain. While these poor servers are like trying to do their job, trying to stay safe, trying to make money to pay their bills. And uh, that dichotomy has been blowing my mind the last few months. That probably would have been you four or five years ago. Summer. It's, I can't even imagine every time I see a kid going into the place where I worked, not, it was like a, it was a great place to work. Objectively speaking, I just think the industry sucks like it it absolutely just sucks the life out of you because you're just like having to put on this smiley face all the time for people that just don't care about you it really it's fucking brutal but um i i think yeah i would never want to be in their circumstances so understanding right now especially but uh but i think the simplest thing that i do a lot more now than ever before is just treating them like a human being it's like they come over and they're like Oh, how are you doing? And most people don't even make eye contact. They just stay looking down or whatever. And it's like, they, they don't care about their name. Like I love people that would read yeah. my name tag and be like, Dylan, how's your day? I'm like, Oh, they asked me a question. Like, Oh my God. It just makes you feel so great. Especially when they use your name, uh, which often people don't have name tags, but still just taking a second to care about them. Uh, it makes such a difference in the quality you get. And then especially this kind of trickles into the next point when you just, you don't try and nickel and dime people. You're like, all right, I'm just always going to give 20% at least ideally more. Cause it's like a couple dollars here and there makes a huge difference for someone that's 18 years old. That's working. Let me ask you, uh, where then would you stand on like tip culture? Would you rather have just been paid a better salary to not even have to worry about, uh, kind of performing to get your tips performing? Well? I hadn't, we had an interesting system that I liked. It was because it's a beach club. They didn't want like people are just giving member numbers. It's like super simple system. So it's always 18% unless there's a party mm. of six or more and it's 20% automatically. So it's like, it wasn't. So it's kind of like you based. weren't getting tipped. It was like right. you were just getting a better wage. It was just a little incentive to like work harder wage, like have more people. That's a funny word. Tap wage wage gauge it's so weird when you check out of the english language for a second and you're like what the thick word is that um so, okay i think continue. Uh, as a whole it's it is weird i think it started i feel like it started ah I, I watched some youtube history on this but i feel like people would tip in the beginning in the past i could be making this up tipping in the beginning in the past so they get faster service hmm. but then it slowly migrated to afterward and it doesn't really make sense afterward unless you're going to the same place repeatedly uh, the beforehand makes a lot of sense it's like freemium you know oh one thing that i forgot like we had this 18 percent, right so it's always the same but this one guy at the end of the year he tipped the entire staff like a hundred dollars each hmm. and it was crazy and 
like just going out of his way he wrote handwritten cards for everyone just sent them a hundred dollars and now everyone for the rest of our lives is going to remember this person that's really nice it costs him an extra fifteen hundred dollars when he's making a lot like complete game changer um so i think that's that's the most fundamental thing is just treating people like humans and then here's the thing pop before you go on to the next one or was it related no it's less why is everybody so butthurt when they go out to eat about everything about where they're sitting about which way they're facing about how long it takes to get a menu why is everyone so butthurt that's an american thing by the way it's like anywhere else you go out to eat it's just like you have no plans you're in no rush it's crazy because we've like italy or traveling anywhere actually just the the life is so chill and like it's they're not beautiful. trying to push you through the system because we had we were super busy always full especially friday oh. nights so it's like you were trying to like hey you know you're putting the check down you know hey are you guys good to go like you multiple need multiple seatings that's actually a pet peeve from me to you is the food gets put down and then every three minutes the waiter comes how is everything how's and i'm like i just want to be french and I'll i'll tell you when i need something you know yeah um, I mean, we would do it where it's like you just check in once, like five minutes after they start eating. Was that mandated? No, it's just like, you know, you kind of, after so many years, you figure out what people like and what they don't like. So it's just probably the new people that are annoyingly about that. But make sure you, uh, I guess I'll get into this later. Okay, Go on to your next. Um, so kind of related to that is just deciding immediately. Like these people are like, oh, um, they, they sit over here. They sit down and like, oh, actually, I want a table over there. Super annoying people. You just, you're going to have the whole wait staff against you, especially when it comes to ordering food. Like yes. the first thing you should do when you sit down, I know it's kind of hard because you're like sometimes meeting up with people. But if you decide what you want to get right out of the gate, I have this rule. The first thing I see on the menu that I like, I, I pick it and I close my menu. It's over. Like I'm not you know, tormenting in my head about, oh, do I want a lobster roll or do I want a lobster salad? Like, what do you think about people asking for recommendations then? That's my mom's favorite thing to do. Oh, I do that a lot, actually. Okay. Yeah, you I do. Like it you do. Because one, because I don't like making decisions for myself. So I'll put the onus on them. But usually it depends. We didn't get to try a lot of the food. Funny enough, I, I'd actually just kind of eat it. And <laughs> after clearing plates, I was really bad. I actually got mono from that. Uh, I would eat everything, dude. I was a fucking. Oh, <laughs> uh, most people get mono from being like high schoolers. <laughs> no, you're just eating fries off people's plates. <laughs> My girlfriend was like, "I don't have mono. Where'd you get this from?" <laughs> ah, easy. Hey, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, what the fuck were we talking about? I, right I, there? Okay, I, let me uh, ask you something because I I had a lot of friends who are hostesses, and this is a lot of things friends and and family do when we go out. It's like there is an order to where you're being seated. There is a reason to like they're trying, at least the hostesses I knew, they're trying to seat people so that it's evenly distributed amongst the wait staff so that, you know, things are timed properly so that one waiter isn't serving, you know, eight people like appetizers. They're serving one table's appetizers, one's on the meal, and then one's finishing up. Is that true? Do you know? Like we would have it. I can't speak for everyone because I was kind of in my own little bubble, but it's just you try and have, generally speaking, equal amounts of tables for everyone because okay. that's where they make their tips. So right. equal tables, usually the better people get the bigger tables or like more. 
just because you, you don't want them fucking but up orders. What like fucks it is when you sit down and then you demand to have another table because it's not your perfect little table. Yeah, yeah. You know, people are just picky, and it's it's interesting because restaurants never used to exist. Like this was such a uh, high society thing to have people waiting on you and stuff, but now it's so commonplace that it's interesting. Little status games that I want to get into a little bit later, but uh, but yeah, that's pretty much everything in terms of or the the majority yeah, of how we I behave. Talk about uh, like ladies first. Who gets the this is status stuff? You know, who is the check put in front of at the end oh. of the meal? That stuff always fascinates me, even today. Um, right, like things are changing, obviously, equity wise. Um, but if I feel like one thing that's not is the formalities that happen at dinner. Mm. Um, you know, waiters are still telling us ladies first. Um, they're still getting the ladies' chairs. And then when the check goes down, it goes down in front of my dad if we're out as a family. It's just kind of interesting. Yeah. My, my mom was actually on a first date with someone recently. And it was interesting because, you know, she, she offers to pay. And this guy was like, oh, yeah, sure, we can split it. And that was really a big red flag, and we, it was a big oh, controversy over this. Oh. It's like, is it is it just an empty offer? It's funny. This has nothing to do with the service industry. Um, yeah. God. <laughs> is it an empty offer from care, from your like, mom? From my mom. It it's like yeah, it's an empty offer. Like oh, you actually took me up on it, and she's older, right? See, I would be but delighted. I'm, I would be delighted to split now. But she's but would would girls? I guess older. we need more f- female opinions on this podcast. But like, would girls have the same reaction if they're our age? Yeah, we should find out. Because I'm always like, I, I want to pay. Like, just whatever. It's just easier. Yeah, you that pay way. for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you treat me. You up. Uh, all right, whatever. That's a side <laughs> point to consider. I want to expand this. Okay, you know, just treat people nicely. Decide immediately. Be decisive in general. I think that's good life lesson but uh, a couple i have like six points extrapolating to real life one is work ethic and we talked about this before but literally the day this was the day after i turned 14 because the day i turned 14 i had to go like get some uh what do they call those people that stamp off off of like passport no like a librarian has to like stamp or some person has to like stamp like oh you're old enough to work this will work Child labor no whatever permit I, God damn work it. permit shut up all right so i had to get approved like i'm old enough to work but literally since the day i could work i was working and it, it really just instills this like oh this is what the work world is like from such an early age and uh and it's cool i remember the first day i came in it was fourth of july because my birthday is july 1st so that weekend it was like july 2nd it was a saturday i come in and i'm like five foot and maybe like 120 pounds at most. And, uh, and they give me these like 45 pound trays and I'm carrying food out to the cabanas, which are like half a mile away at least, like the closest cabana. And they give me no instructions. They're just like, hey kid, carry this food out to cabana number 15. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what that means. I don't know where that is. This tray is too heavy for me. I'm sweating balls. because This have is also like, you weren't shirts. proactive at this point. I'm sure you barely talked. I uh, well here actually that that's point number two but I I knew the people there a little bit because there was a lot of nepotism going on because the the general manager was our hockey coach 
in high mm. school. Uh, but regardless, I, I went like I went out to the cabanas, and you have like there's the cabanas, and I guess they're in a ring, right? So picture a ring, and they each have their little furniture, and then there's like a, a sub ring where you're. And what to are walk. you wearing? What are you wearing? I'm wearing this tight. <laughs> cotton green shirt sweat stains all over it because it's july <laughs> i knew it's it. like 95 degrees out and i bike to work <laughs> khaki shorts uh khaki shorts yeah i knew it nice i knew belt. it got my white tennis shoes on i'm looking good but except for the sweat stains and so i'm carrying this i'm shaking i'm shaking right and you have the two rings the one ring is for like that's just inside your own cabana that's your little space the sub ring is for all the help to come and bring your food i didn't know the two ring dynamic so I'm like, all right, this is number 10. I get to number 10, but to get to 16, normally you have to go from the bottom ring. But I'm just cutting through cabanas, moving their furniture with my legs because I have no hands because I'm carrying this big tray. People are just staring at me. I'm walking through their living rooms, basically. Like five of them, they're all like, what the fuck is this 14-year-old doing? I finally get their shakedown. I probably forgot some food, had to run a mile back, but it was really stressful. Wow. I Basically... From an early start, though, the point is like try and start working the real world from yes. the beginning because it's less scary. You, you get this whole dynamic of this is what it's like to be a real adult human being. I like that. It's in, it's such an important angle to right. Like I haven't waited tables, but I've done very similar things also from you know twelve, thirteen years old. Um, kind of like you said, be nice to people. I think it sh- the people who have never worked in the service industry. Like it shows big time. You just realize how difficult it is. And we've talked about this too. Like you as that waiter working your eight hour shift or whatever is working no less hard than the lawyer that makes $1,500 an hour. I was working a lot harder. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I was actually just listening to that podcast you sent me uh, on the North Star. uh, Not the one you just sent me, Jason Freed. Oh, yeah as a non-serial entrepreneur and he was just talking about, well, kind of the eight hour workday, but also like landscapers are working really hard. People doing manual labor are working much harder. So it's like, you, you can't have a respect for that. Or I think a lot of people don't have a respect for, for people in the service industry until or without working, you know. That was literally the hardest job other than like being a roofer in the summer like carrying these 40, 50 pound trays, literally half a mile. Like the the commanders went out to the sixties, which doesn't mean anything to you, but that's really far away. And then you had to come back with the tray and people are stacking stuff on. It was miserable. And they had these stupid shirts. I'm telling you the cotton, it was so hot. I was, I was horrible, but now I appreciate I'm like my, at least to hide the sweat or no white. That's why clubs are, are all white clothing. They switched because, we had this one friend, we called him Rufus, and man, he would sweat so bad. I think we had to change shirts just because of him. It was drenched. And then you? It was like so many shades darker. Yeah. And I sweat Holy a lot. Holy moly. Um, all right. So <laughs> yeah, just uh, realize like the reason why we have to work harder is because we have no leverage. Like a lot of the people, well, I guess the lawyers working equally hard because they don't have much leverage, but like the people that really make the money, the people that can give us a hundred dollar tip at the end of the year. They're the ones with leverage that have people working for them or, you know, business automations. All right. Second, this is kind of a small point. The nepotism point. Um, Are we on like three or four? We have a lot. I'll I'll rip the room. Get ready. Nepotism. I'm just saying that 
I, I think it makes sense because you trust a person. You know exactly what to expect from them reliability-wise, which is one of the most important, like how much they care, that stuff. Belky, it looks like you're fucking sleeping over there. Not. I'm locked and loaded. Locked and loaded. All right. I'm like, I'm looking at you like lovingly. So, uh, yeah, you got the head tilt. That's a big one though. And I talked about this in Silicon Valley, like every single, now I'm going to talk fast. Every single company is offering some pretty lucrative referral bonuses, you know, anywhere from two to $10,000 if you can refer someone. And I think like you say, if you are promoting somebody for a job, nepotism wise, like that's a reflection on you as well. And so if you're there and you're doing good work as kind of a filter, it makes sense that you would want to hire through people because mm. it's expensive to hire. It's hard to hire. What we've seen with Ian too, I guess this was episode 41, where he was saying like he, he now has, well, employers are reaching out to him. Like employees, employers, they're all connecting through Twitter in this case. And I think that's a big hack to, to a lot of this is like you can get sort of nepotism by just making friends on Twitter and you can have a mm. hundred, you can have like, that's where leverage is. You can have infinite friends on Twitter that follow what you say. And that's it, how you build up that, that trust. And e- even a sliver less than nepotism, because I've done it applying for jobs. I think you have too. It's, it's about just like making yourself known. If you're not getting a response, like re-email, re, you know, ask another question, like keep getting your name. That's what Twitter is. It's allowing, like Ian said, it's having your name and your profile picture be something that people in that circle recognize. And if they keep seeing your name, they keep hearing your name, they keep seeing your profile picture. Then when it comes time to hire, like, and they're beat down, they're just going to pick the person that's most familiar. I think that's so human. I'm starting to have fun on Twitter too. We get Joe Navarro to respond, whose book we're reading right now. I see now. you. Oh, it's I so see good. You. It's so good. I, it's a great Ian, book. This is actually 42, by the way. Just remembered. Great book. We'll get into it once we're in person. There's a lot of body language stuff, so we want to talk about it then when we're hanging out. All right. Another one, status. And this kind of goes back to the beginning point of I'm working for these people who are also my classmates. So at school, they're equals, but here I'm suddenly below them mm. and almost like you wouldn't get eye contact from these people. And like, granted, I wasn't super close friends with them, but I figured they'd recognize me because I'd been to their dorm parties before. It's just weird. Oh, it's you were working dynamic. there uh, like a year or two into college? Yeah, because 18, 19, 20, I was a waiter. Oh, okay. So it, it was just fascinating because people that wouldn't care, wouldn't make eye contact at all. Occasionally, someone at the table would ask like, oh, are, are you just a student at URI, University of Rhode Island, which is right nearby? And I'm like, oh, no, I'm actually going to school in Providence. They're like, oh, PC? And I'm like, no, Brown. I'm like, oh my God, we went to Brown. And they instantly like that is, light up or yeah. I know someone that went to Brown. You're going to an Ivy League. Oh my God. Think about this though. And maybe it's just out of frequency, but why is their first question? Are you a URI student, a public school for the state? It's status. It was, it was, it's also really a lot of people from URI. Okay. Yeah. That, that's my point. The frequency. It might just be the frequency, but also it's like, you know, how many Ivy League students from Brown are in the service industry serving me at my country club. Like it's right. and far between, but that's the status thing. It's like so backwards. Yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah, it makes sense. It's just interesting to observe in real it's time constantly. Cause anytime that question comes up, I'm like, all right, now they're going to like me better instantly. No. Yeah. It was just, it was weird. But, uh, 
So that's that's interesting. I think um, also uh, three more quick points. We talked about this before with um, what's the title of the book? Calibrated questions and stuff like that. Um, Never split the difference. Never split the difference. Mirroring. And this is big in the world in general, but service industry, especially when you repeat orders, people just love you. They tip 30% more on average. And that's just you know quantifying how much it matters to people that you're listening and you're mirroring back, you're parroting back what they say. It's, uh, it's powerful. So I, I would use that as much as possible. I would also use this other little trick that in my head, I was like, I'm just always going to try and be 5% different of like, I'm going to say this a little bit funky in some way, use one word. And it's actually words that people know, but you don't hear often. That's the best one. Um, we, we talked about this with like, oh, how's your Saturday doing? Or how's your Wednesday? Today's Wednesday. Yeah, how's your Wednesday doing? Whatever, stuff like that. Or be like, just I'd use different adjectives all the time. It's like, oh, how's your day doing? Oh, I'm, it's, it's doing? a splendid day. Or going. How's your day how are you doing? How's your, okay. I merged them. <laughs> okay. But I would say like splendid or like yeah. jovial or just some weird word. And they're like, it just catches them off guard. And now they're just more engaged. They're like, Oh, this person is a person. Yeah. That's interesting because we go through the motions so much. You and I have talked about this. It's like, I have a stock reply for, I'm sure everyone does. Like if someone says hi to you on the street, like, Hey, how are you? You say the same things every time. Like be a little different. Do something. Dude, I, I can't tell you the amount of times. I forget what the word was. Maybe it was like dandy or something like that. Someone's like, oh, how are you doing? I'm like, dandy. And then literally for the next two weeks, every time I saw them, like, oh, you doing dandy still? And I'm like, dude, it's it's crazy. Just That's really funny. And it, it changes everything. Last thing, last point I want to make, this relates to how we're running this little operation, but it's it's imperative within the service industry is having systems in place. So we would go out, You'd have the, the bus boy set the table, get everything ready. Then the waiter would come in, take the order, go back, send it to the, the um, expediter. And the expediter talks to the cook, talks to the expediter, talks to the food runner. Like there's just this whole integrated system. And it's, it's crazy when it's working well. It breaks down when you start fucking up orders and just like it, you don't take, take the time to double check what order you're sending through. And then it's just chaos absolute chaos um did you read kitchen confidential anthony bourdain's book no oh please do please do yeah he talks about i mean like look from from my perspective when you this is i actually just put this in my youtube description as a must read is kitchen confidential but Hmm. from my perspective you sit down at a restaurant like you have no idea what's going on in the kitchen between the wait staff and the kitchen and anthony bourdain outlines it beautifully and in how beautifully outlines it it's like sheer chaos like you say it works well in theory Dude. but you know one stove goes out at 7 30 p.m on prime time friday night like. i didn't mention this before but i also hate people that would come in like 10 minutes before close they're the worst people in the world Everyone really hates them don't be that person because what everything because the kitchen's closing they're cleaning everything and they're like we got a fucking order Hmm. and it's just and they're the angriest people in the world like if you go back in the kitchen they're so scary maybe it was just the place i worked at but it's frightening dude you mess up in order like i still i was telling you belky but i have a nightmare at least once a month about 
forgetting an order, messing up an order. I still think almost daily about this one steak. This person ordered a filet and they said like something, something medium. And I was like, was that medium rare or medium well? Medium rare, medium well. And I already asked them a second question. So I'm like, I'm not going to go back and ask. I'm just going to guess. I made the wrong guess. You're supposed to undercook on the guess because you can always cook it more. I said oh. in the kitchen, medium well. Wait, that's so a good now, trick. If you're going to guess under, guess under. Always undercook because you can always throw it back on. Yeah. I said medium well, which is the worst thing you can do. I sent that back to the kitchen, comes back out. The lady's like, hey, they overcooked it. And now the kitchen's freaking on me for wasting a $20 filet. I still think about it to this day. But here's my thing too. If I get that overcooked piece of meat, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to eat it. My parents and their friends, like they want to make a big stink about the whole thing. And I'm like, you have no idea. Our poor server, Dylan, is going to have nightmares for the rest of his life. Literally. Because you won't eat that medium well steak. That is actually funny. I don't want to put the blame on her because it's definitely on me. No, I get it. But it is funny because we, I I mean, my mom, I'll I'll put her on blast, but she does it a lot. Like always criticizing everything. I'm like, hey, you know, just maybe tell them afterward or something, but it's it's like a low key deal or never tell them just, you know, I just suck it up. Whatever. It's probably just a one-time mess up or something. Whatever. Granted, it's like a $35 meal, so I should probably get it right. But uh, but regardless, that, it's literally well, right, been tormenting that's me. The, so you've got the dichotomy. It's like, well, yeah, okay. On the one hand, the paying customer is always right. Like That's what we do in the service industry. But then it's like, if you've actually been a server, you understand how inconsequential the like temperature of your steak is. And so I just suck it up. I'm curious because she's probably listening. We've already put her on blast. Um, Has your mom spent time? Well, she knows about your work. Like, did she ever work in the service industry or do similar stuff? I don't actually really know. You need to talk to her more. Hmm. You need to talk to her more. That's your homework for today is ask her. (laughs) No, 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 no. This isn't going to get released till I'm in Chicago. So we're good. Okay. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you know, be nice to people, not your family, apparently, but, uh, (laughs) (laughs) I think there's so much, I think anyone, like if you haven't worked uh, either like landscaping or working in a restaurant or whatever service, like, you know, just flipping stuff on eBay, like you learn so much about, no, that's not even service. Well, whatever. My first job was a a T-ball umpire and pop. Why the hell are 45-year-old parents screaming, screaming because the 12-year-old made like a less than par call? Uh, It was horrible. Talk about nightmares. (laughs) Let's do an episode on that. Did you ever ump? No, but my friend Jack Hall. Oh, man. I remember he was tormented. He had to quit. He had to quit. They just rattled him so much. It's terrible. And you can't win because you have two sides and there's just no good call ever. It's terrible. I was a a referee in hockey and I did the same thing. Like I was a good hockey player. Like I understood hockey, but the parents, I think they knew less than me too. I'm like, I'm playing at a higher level than you probably ever yeah. played. And you're right. yelling at me about the calls. <laughs> like, right. It's just mind blowing. Uh, but whatever, just like understand what hard work <laughs> is and you appreciate it so much more for the rest of your life. Sometimes you'll be tormented like me. I still have nightmares about forgetting orders, but it's, it's whatever. It's the cost that we all go through. All right. Tomorrow, Bucky, what do we have? Talking about every, no, we are talking to Matt Sherman. 
the uh, creator of Forward Thinking Founders. I think we're going to talk about some startups, have an awesome conversation, throw in some Dunbar, and uh, see what he's up to. I love it. We're uh, we're figuring out this Twitter world, and it's so fun because, like I said, we're connecting with authors of books we're reading. I think we're going to get them on the podcast soon. It's only going to get better and better for everyone involved. So I'm excited, Belky. I know. Very excited. All right. Well, you you got to make sure that what do you, uh, know? you don't have COVID. Well, we're not going to have guests in person anyway, so get COVID oh. as much as you want. But uh, that's it. Okay. So enjoy uh, enjoy the rest of your day. Treat your servers better. And, uh, you know, smile. 5% difference. There got we go. it. See ya. All right. Peace, Belgium.